Ain't no time for fake jacks. The brother's dead, fake jacks. The lady don't need that. Ain't no time for fake jacks. No time for fake jacks. The brother's dead, fake jacks. The lady don't need that. Ain't no time for fake jacks. You're listening to the Blanche J Radio Network. Sending me memes of Kevin Samuels. Please, please stop. Please stop. Stop sending me stuff about Kevin Samuels. I don't want I don't want to talk about Kevin Samuels on this show anymore. And I have some close friends who are really who are really some of my, my closest female friends, my sisters. That's different. I'm talking about people DMing me and saying, Well, you talk about Kevin Samuels on the show, sending me the latest offensive thing that he said about women and two women on the show i don't care what kevin samuels thinks about women it's not as these are not lance j's thoughts i know that john and april john and april nixon are relationship counselors so they're experts so so they have to repair people that have been in abusive and detrimental relationships with people like Kevin Samuels. I'm not responsible for any of the foolishness that he says. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want it to be a constant. Look, my show, my show is a corporate show. We talk about hip hop. We talk about sports. I want it to be highbrow, man. I want the show to be highbrow. I want to introduce new words in people's vocabulary. I want to make I want to make society a better place by doing a show. I don't want to go to the lowest common denominator in people like Kevin Samuels. I don't I don't want to get into that. So my view on him I'm not hey, I'm not going to diss somebody else that he's a very successful talk show host or whatever he's doing podcaster whatever whatever it's called that he's doing. He seems to be very successful at what he's doing. And it's entertainment. So I don't agree with anything. Well, I won't say anything. I don't agree with the majority of stuff that he says, but it's entertainment. People are entertained by it. I think that it's sexist. I think that it's denigrating to black women because that's his audience is black women. I think the fact that he loves making fun of people that are fat and unattractive that's the same type of nonsense that most of you guys went through in high school and elementary school. If you want to let some jagoff tell you that because if you're 5'7 and you're 180 pounds, 175 pounds, if you want to tell if you want to let somebody tell you that you're worthless because your BMI is too high, that's a you problem. That's not a Lance J problem. That's not even a Kevin Samuels problem. That's a you problem. That's not my problem. I can't be responsible for the thoughts of others, the opinions of others, the fact 
that you're angry because someone has a large platform to talk about how he believes that women's place is in the home. They should be cooking and cleaning. They should be barefoot and pregnant. They should be behind their man. Now, Lance J believes that God created women to stand next to their man. That's what I believe. But he doesn't believe that. He believes that women are Ottomans and footstools and just there as China doll ornaments. That's his right to believe that. But what, what bothers me, I am less bothered by Kevin Samuels, because there are a lot of men who, who fall into some of these older ideologies that are considered to be archaic and sexist. There are a lot of people, they, they don't have the platform that he has, but, but there are a lot of people that, that believe that. There are a lot of husbands that believe that. Some of the statistics that he talked about is true. They think about only a third of people will marry, black women will marry. Those are real statistics. Those are real issues. The people that call his show to me are reprehensible. He's a reprehensible person. The people that call his show are equally as reprehensible as him in my opinion, what grown woman that's 30 years old and an adult either married or have children, what grown woman would talk to him and let him set the bar for if you're a person of, quote, high value or not? If you let someone like him tell you who you are, that's your fault. That's not my fault. I don't want to hear no excuses. I don't want to hear excuses. It reminds me, when I was in high school, there was a lot of bullying and hazing at the high school that I went to. There was a whole lot. I was on, I was on the wrong end of it, meaning the, 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 the person that was hazed and bullied. When I, got, when, I, when I got up to a certain space, I didn't really bully people. I'm a pretty big guy. I was... 195 pounds senior year in high school. I didn't, I didn't think that physically bullying people was acceptable. I, I take no pride in bullying people who are physically weaker or mentally weaker than myself. But I went to a high school. There was a, there was, there was a mean girls table. They sat in the middle of the cafeteria. They had a name for their clique. I think they were called the 15. If I remember correctly, it was a table full of mean girls the pretty girls, the cool girls. You couldn't sit at that table if you weren't popular. I went to a boarding school, so you really couldn't get away from the bullying and abuse. If you were on the wrong side of someone, you had to live with that person. So you had to deal with them 24 hours a day. I've seen people, look, I've seen people get stripped butt naked, forced to run in 20 degrees naked. Except for shoes. Forced to run. It's amazing nobody got frostbite. Forced to run butt naked. I've seen people get a gallon of royal of rotten and rancid milk thrown on them. I've seen some things that I can't even say on the radio because I get sued if I brought it up. And I don't I shout out to shout out that said, shout out to my man Alan Bozeman. Shout out to him on his 40th birthday. Shout out to you, Alan. I'm giving you a shout out on national radio. Sherman Bozeman, legal firm up in Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, Alan, welcome to hell. No, I'm just playing. But I've seen people, I've seen people 
get the brakes beaten off of them and have to go to the hospital. The Pine Forge Academy. I've seen it with my own eyes. Now, now I'm in a place where, where I'm more, I'm a booster for their basketball team and I've helped their alumni association and stuff like that. But I've seen bullying at its apex and people like Kevin Samuels are, are bullies. Now, people, people want to engage me all the time. Well, what do you think about Kevin Samuels? He's, he's obviously a hurt person. He's someone, some black woman did something to him and he's never been the same since. I don't know. And I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care about this mofo. I could care less. He obviously likes wearing nice suits and nice watches and all of that stuff. If that's what he wants to do, if that's how he pays his bills, it's really none of my business. I've seen, I remember DJ Envy over at Breakfast Club was going after him saying that he used to be a bag boy for for the, was it the Louis store, or the, the Hermes store or somewhere like that. He was standing out in front of the store trying to solicit people. He's a personal shopper or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I'm not. I'm not going to say I try to tear Kevin Samuels down because I don't agree with him. I'm not about tearing black women down. I'm not about putting black women or anybody in their place for that matter. I do not subscribe to the theory that because you make money. Look, I've made money. His, his high value man, I think he said that the 10 grand a month makes you a high value man. 10 grand a month is nothing. <laughs> That's that's not a lot of money. So I've made money. I've been in circles and been influential. That doesn't that doesn't make you a high value person. As someone's character. You're telling me if you're a woman, you rather have a man that makes 250, 300k, that's a piece of trash that smacks you around like Blair Underwood in the one Tyler Perry movie. I know all of the Tyler Perry movies, somebody's getting smacked around, but it's the one uh the the wedding. Where uh, where Boris Kujo came in and, and with the fake hair, with the fake with the afro hat, and swept the girl off her feet, and the sister was dating Blair Underwood, and he was beating the brakes off of her, and she hit him with the pot of hot grits. Would you rather have a rich man knocking down half a mil a year, lives in a penthouse apartment, all of that good stuff, driving nice cars, all of that good stuff, but is a terrible person? Would you rather have somebody that makes 60, 70 grand a year, regular Joe, works hard, great husband, great father, great partner, loves you, massages your feet, glad to have you on his arm. That's a choice that you have to make. Some of you women would take the money. And I'm not here to tell you that that's wrong either. You got to do what works for you. I don't think anybody can have it both ways. I don't know if it's realistic for someone like myself who who is not who is never going to be on the cover of of six pack abs monthly to say that I'll only date someone who's a size two or a size zero. That's just not realistic. Kevin Samuels points that out and he's actually right. But the disrespect in in the women and and he loves he loves to make fun of fat women. He loves to make fun of fat women. And for some reason, he gets a kick out of that. He loves telling someone that you're fat, you're ugly, and you're going to die alone. If you, get, if you get entertained by somebody telling you that, yo, that's your business. I know people, and I really do know people. I know people that literally pay for, before COVID, 
would pay for dominatrix people to come to their house, tie them up, and put a leather ball gag in their mouth and slap them around for a few hours. Everybody, some of you are some of you are masochists. Some of you are into to sadomasochism. That's your business. That's your brand of entertainment. But don't DM Lance J about what Kevin said. Did you hear what Kevin Samuel said? Aren't you appalled? I'm appalled that you wasted 20 minutes, 30 minutes listening to this. That's what I'm appalled. Have some respect for yourself, women. I don't allow toxic people and bullies. I don't like bullies. I don't allow bullies into my life. I have a lot of people, people that bullied me in high school and college. Now that I'm, now that I'm balling out, want to be down, bleep you, man. I'm not, you, you, you was flushing my head in the toilet 30 years ago, man. You're not, you're not getting, you're not, you, you're not going to be part of my empire. You're not, you're not eating off of me. And Kevin Samuels was just a 50, 50 and change year old bully. Don't, don't let your thoughts be shaped by what you think is, is popular. And it's just as ignorant to me. I think the people that call into his show and zoom in and people go in there, they zoom in, they got their bonnet on and they're looking on purpose they got their tracks out. Their hair is halfway braided. Some people just want attention, man. They get attention any way that they could possibly get it. But that's my thought on Kevin Samuels, man. Stop sending that garbage to me. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. Lance J Show. You're listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Come to see me off. My nephew. Boy, it was always a disappointment. But I treated you like a son. I wasn't made to play the son. But my supply, the good dope. The Greeks, they cool with it. Proposition then. I just step out the way. You'll never hear from me again. I'll just disappear. Joe, you'll be up in a mischief in no time. Truth is, you won't be able to change up any more than me. Close your eyes. It won't hurt none. You are listening to the Lanch J Radio Network. James Lewis. Detective Lee found herself inside a suspect's home in Burbank and found a gigantic slide, the department said, adding that the covered car parts were also found. It goes on to say that the Pasco Police Department posted a photo showing a grinning Lee sitting atop of the slide in the child's bedroom with the caption, Detective Lee strikes a pose with the recovered slide. All I want to know is using my, um, my David Caruso voices, well, Rampage, I wonder if the judge is going to let the perpetrator slide. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. 
Paragon 7 Studios. You don't know me. Probably never will. But I need you to do something for me. Something that could literally change everything. You'll never get a thank you card. And yet, I need you to do it. And if that weren't enough, I need you to do it as soon as you are able to. If you do this for me, I'll do it for you. And for every single person you love. Deal? This is our shot to leave COVID behind. Day show. I am fascinated. I'm fascinated by the turn of what we're seeing in the NBA playoffs. Historically, we we have we have fallen in. We forget that Michael Jordan's teams were great, and Jordan was the star. Jordan was a god. I've watched the Last Dance. The whole 10-hour session. I've watched that 10-hour session at least seven or eight times. It's been 80 hours. That's a whole That's a whole paycheck. I should be getting FICA taxes taken out for the time I've spent watching The Last Dance. But we forget the Bulls teams of the 90s were balanced teams. It wasn't just Michael Jordan playing ISO basketball. It was Pippen often bringing the ball up to court especially in the fourth quarter and guarding the best player on the, the best wing player on the, on the other side, even though Jordan was just as good of a defender, if not a better defender, but it was Pippen playing point forward, setting Jordan up, bringing the ball up the court and then setting Jordan up to run the offense in the triangle. Tony Kukoc played a role. Robin was a rebounder. They didn't really have a big man in a traditional sense, like a seven foot good big man, but they had Robin who played that role, even though he was shorter. Then they had guys that came off the bench to shot threes. They had Kerr, they had Jeff Bushler. At one point they had BJ Armstrong. They always had guys that surrounded Jordan and Pippen tandem, but guys that can shoot threes. These were very balanced teams. The Boston Celtics, of my era, not the old era. I'm I'm only 40, 42 years old. But the Boston Celtics, the Bird Parish, Mikhail. Mikhail get a lot of the dirty work that allowed Bird to get open for free shots. Parish did a lot of dirty work. They had Dennis Johnson bringing the ball up the court. They didn't ask Bird to bring the ball up the court and run the offense and do the scoring and do the rebounding. These were balanced teams. The Shaq and Kobe Lakers were a little bit less balanced, but they had Shaq, who was a dominant force inside, and then they had Kobe, who was who was becoming, at the time, the best perimeter player in the NBA. I don't know if I'd say he was in his prime during that era, 
but he was entering his prime and he was becoming the best perimeter player in the NBA. But then you had the LeBron era in Cleveland and filtering into Miami. LeBron played more of, he's gotten more of that ISO style now. LeBron had no talent with him during the time. In fact, I was talking to some friends over the weekend. We got to give LeBron, when LeBron's career is over, we're going to give him more credit than we gave him. We, we were going to give him more flowers after his career is over. We're so busy comparing him to Jordan and, and talking about how he's inferior to Michael Jordan, which he is inferior to Michael Jordan. But this guy got Booby Gibson and Anderson Varejao and Zagrunas Ilgaskis. He took them to an NBA Finals. Now, bad that group is with Mo Williams, Delonte West, those guys. That was a bad team. That's like a 15 win team. You take LeBron off that. Had no, no support. Played a lot of ISO ball in Miami. Fortunately, Dwayne Wade was still kind of at the, the fringe end of his prime. That first year, he couldn't post up JJ Berea. Dwayne Wade told LeBron, get your, get your hind parts into a gymnasium and learn how to post up. And they had some success. Success. They had guys like Shane Battier, who was very is a genius as far as uh, basketball IQ. And Chris Bosch, who took a lesser role, played the big man role. But I love what's going on in the NBA right now. I look at, I know that the Nuggets got, the, got smashed by the Suns. A lot of that's Jamal Murray was out. I'm actually surprised that they got through Portland. But you have several teams that are built right. I talk about basketball, all teams that are not built right and built wrong. We talk about the Atlanta Falcons, excuse me, in football that are not built right. The Atlanta Falcons in football were never built right. The Indianapolis Colts, my Colts, Peyton Manning era, were never built right. All offense, no defense, no bulk, no man works, no hammers, no strength. In football, you got to be able to line it up in the I-form and run it down someone's throat every once in a while in on the offensive side, on the defensive side, you got to have some fatties that are three three thirty at the de- defensive tackle position. You want to put a bunch of guys that are two seventy five, they're going to get mauled by offensive linemen. We used to call it man works. You got to have some man works. You have to have grown man strength up front. Some bellies, like the Ravens had with uh, Nada and Mount Cody. And Williams, Washington, excuse me, Ted Washington. You have some fatties. Well, basketball being built right. I love Phoenix, great point guard, Chris Paul, aging, but still great. Scoring machine, Devin Booker. Big man, DeAndre Ayton. Utah Jazz. Very good point guard, Conley. Scoring machine, Spider Mitchell. Excellent big man, Rudy Gobert, who's a defensive guy and a rebounder. That's how you build a basketball team. The Clippers are not built right. The Lakers are not built right if there's any injury. Now, if you have AD and he's 100% and LeBron's 100%, they're pretty good. But this two megastar and no depth, I think we're moving away from that era. I look at Denver when they get when Denver gets Murray back. You got you got Joker, who's a seven footer, who can play offense and defense. 
You got Murray, who's a scoring machine. And then you have uh, the the young boy, the 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 the. I can't I can't remember his name right now. I'm having I'm having a senior moment, but but you're but you have three people on those teams that that really can do can do some damage, and that's how you have to build a team these days in in the NBA. Um, I don't think that you could be successful. In a situation, you got Michael Porter Jr. is who I was thinking about. I don't think you can be successful just loading up on one or two stars. I think a lot of people think that Zion's going to leave New Orleans and go to the Knicks. And he'll recruit some star to come with him. I just think these are teams that built mostly through the draft. Draft good players. You don't have to go and get the biggest free agent every time. And, and I just, I'm excited I'm really excited about what's going on in the, the NBA. I think there's a revolution. I like Trey Young. I think the Hawks are building it right. You can't have him and Lou Williams on the floor at the same time, but I think the Hawks are building it right. They're a player away from being really, really good. I know that they traded Luka for him, but they also got Cam Reddish. Depth is important in the NBA, and we're starting to see that. But I, I think that I think that Denver – Phoenix and Utah, that's the future of the league. And that's going to cause some problems because those are not big markets. Those are not, those are not New York City markets. Those are not the markets that are sexy. Those in some places are outposts. But building your team properly, so important in NBA. And I'm glad, I'm glad that we're moving out of the era of LeBron ISO, Carmelo Anthony ISO, that whole era, even AI when he was this all ISO ball. It's brutal to watch. I hate watching the Clippers play. I hate watching the Lakers play. This is not good basketball. Great, great brands, great franchises because the cities are big. But but sharing the ball, moving the ball. We've all played pickup basketball. Nobody wants to play on a team with somebody that doesn't move the ball. It's just like a vacuum, like a black hole. And once they get the ball, it's over. So I'm 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 really liking what I'm seeing. I'm intrigued. By what's going on in the Western Conference, I think you're going to be set up for a really, really good finals. And I think that's what basketball is becoming, and they need that because the ratings are not what they used to be. We need to have ball movement. We need to have better basketball. Forget the brands. Forget the Miami. Forget Chicago. Forget New York. I just want to see good basketball. Lance J. Show. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios. You're not thinking I'm taking over the Carter. Yeah, we taking over the Carter. We're going to bum rush the whole damn thing. Now, just imagine. If the tenants cooperate, oh, it's lovely. I mean, they become loyal customers. They don't. They become living hostages. You're going to set up a lab here to make the product. Kareem, you can hook up the computer system. Watch out for the workers, the money, and the product. The Dutter man, Keisha, we need a security force. Walk off the rival crews to screen out the customers. We also need lookouts here, 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 and here. Alert us of 5 One place to make the product. One place to collect our money. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. 
Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. My baby mama, mama Tawana, yo, you so right. I still floss the carrots with the rainbow ice. All your little mm. dudes, y'all be caught up in the hype. Mm. For real, dog, you're not no killer. Got my crib built by my man Bob Villa. Right. Seven bedrooms, Chris style in the chiller. Right. I think big, bigger than Godzilla. Bought my own island, chilling in my villa. James Lewis. I like it. I like it. You ever yeah. had me like Puff, man. I was, oh, about to, man. I was about to be uh, doing the ad-libs, man. Oh, man. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. You don't know me. Probably never will. But I need you to do something for me. Something that could literally change everything. You'll never get a thank you card. And yet, I need you to do it. And if that weren't enough, I need you to do it as soon as you are able to. If you do this for me, I'll do it for you. And for every single person you love. Deal? This is our shot to leave COVID behind. Show. I'm here with with, with Cassidy Crichton from Benelink. She's the chief growth officer. Is the chief sales officer? I get him. I get those messed up. I think it's she's all. She's the person that's making this thing happen. <laughs> she's she's in charge, making sure that the company is successful, and and leading out out leading. I want to I want to ask you a question. We were talking about this offline. I'm very intrigued with women and their place in not just not just healthcare but but in high you know women in the c-suite yeah it wasn't until and see i can talk about this now i can talk about this before when i was when i was, uh, when I was an employee of of somebody else i didn't realize that women were paid 60 cents on the dollar until i started getting into more executive level roles and had people that were working under me that were at the director level or um, associate VP level. And I would see that I have a woman and a man, same role. The woman is more competent, sometimes much more competent, but the man is making sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 more. And the woman is doing the majority of the work. And I didn't, I didn't bury my head in the sand when I saw it. I was I was appalled by it, but I didn't I didn't know this as I was coming up because I'm a black man, so African Americans 
also don't get as much of a seat at the table financially either. What are some of the things you've done when you mentor other women? How have you, how have you, how have you propelled yourself through the glass ceiling? What are some of the tips that you'd have? Because it's, it's real. And I didn't, I didn't know it was real. I was aloof. I wasn't paying attention and caught up in, in my own career and what I wanted to do. And when you become a leader and, and really have 50, 60 people, 100 people reporting to you, it's a game changer because because if you have a conscious like me, you you see that there, there are a lot of unfair practices. And, and I think it's prevalent in healthcare. Yeah. It's a big issue. I see a lot of healthcare companies talking about diversity, hiring diversity officers. But to me, if you're screaming diversity and they're not paying fair, I don't want to say you're a fraud, but it, it, it raises some questions. I think that people have good intentions. I don't think that people have sinister intentions. But just curious of your thoughts on that and just what you've seen as someone who's an executive, a high-powered executive, a bit executive in this industry for, for, for many years. What, what have you seen and what are your thoughts? Well, you know, first of all, we're, 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 we're a team event. Right. You know, we are a team approach all every step of the way at Benelink. Right? Oh, sure. So, right. you know, right. I, I thank uh, I thank my co-workers and my co-founders of Benelink and stuff for giving me the, the chance to have a, a C-suite title and right. to have a seat at it's the great. table. You deserve it. But, you know, I kind of took a little bit of a different approach and, and I made the decision, you know, 30 years ago at an early stage working with payers that I knew that I was good at sales. Right. And I wanted the opportunity, or at least I considered the opportunity that I wanted to be in management. But at the end of the day, I was making a heck of a lot more money if I was a good salesperson than I sure. was at least the, the mid and, you know, mid-level managers, right. the VP level, right? right? And so I kind of stayed on that path for a long time. And while you know, Altegra Health and Change gave me the opportunity to manage teams and so forth and, and to have a seat at the table, not an executive level, right. but it still allowed me to have that player coach role. Mm. And I still want to always be that player well, coach. Cool. I never want to just sit in the office and manage a team of people because all the fun is out there on the street. Right. All the fun is with your clients. And, and I sell consultatively, right? So I want to understand what your challenges are, what you want to sell. I'm not selling widgets on the corner where every True. widget's the same. So True. I think being a leader is is a lot of different things. It's leading by example. It's being a subject matter expert. It, it's listening more than anything. Definitely. You know, but it's also, um, you know, we used to, to say when we were much younger, you know, you can go do whatever you want at night. You can go to the conferences. You can stay out late. But you got to show up and you got to post and you got to be in the front row, too. Right. So gotta, um, gotta it, it's a lot of that. that yeah. Time, yeah. And you got to be present. One of the things that I learned in my career, and I, I talk about this, I do every week I do a segment or two, just I think I've had a, a solid career. I mean, I'm still a relatively young guy and I've overcome some obstacles in, in my career. So I try to give advice to people. One of the things that I learned, I really sucked at emotional intelligence. I was fantastic with uh, logic, very good at um, looking at a spreadsheet, <laughs> writing a macro writing, uh, pulling data, uh, doing T-testing, all of that stuff. As I got into higher roles, I needed to work on my emotional intelligence because managing people, and one of the things that you have a really good talent is really pulling the best out of people. I wasn't good at that. I had to learn and really grow and make a conscious effort. I'm a number cruncher. I, I would crunch numbers all day if I could behind a desk, but you know, when you're in a 
VPs, C-suite role, you have to you have to get out. Man, I'm on a company now. I got to get out, and talk to people, and work with people. Emotional intelligence is is very underrated. You can't learn that in college. They don't teach emotional intelligence yeah. at Wharton or at any of these great business schools at, at Duke Business School, the Fuqua Business School. They don't they don't teach emotional intelligence. I bring that up because the paradigm has shifted so much due to COVID. People are working from home. People have kids at home that they can't leave. Leaders are having to learn and evoke emotional intellect-based decisions that they may not have had to work before, uh, had, to, had to evoke before because there are people that just can't physically come in. What do you feel about the work week and the way companies are structured? And I know as a vendor, a lot of vendors, they have people working remote and you come together periodically for, for, for group meetings and, right. and stuff like that. So you've, you've had the advantage. You live on the beach in North Carolina, so you're probably walking <laughs> barefoot on the beach um, having the time of your life. That's what I would be doing if, if, if I were in your shoes. But this is more talking to health plans and just other businesses. What do you think about? Because people are starting to come back. People are starting right. to come back. And there, there are some companies that the Googles of the world, the Apples of the world, they made work from home indefinite if someone wants to work from home. Right. There are some companies, health plans, they're saying, hey, it's, it's June. Everybody after July 4th, you know, get your bleep back to the office. And there's some people that are upset about that. There are a lot of articles you see on LinkedIn about there'll be mass turnover at some companies that force people back. What do you think about just the work-life balance, emotional intelligence as a leader, as a culture creator, um, and you know, even an industry disruptor? What do you, what do you think about that? And, and how, do you, how do you set the tone as the leader of your organization? You know, I definitely see both sides of that picture, right? right? So as a sales leader and a salesperson over the past 15 years, I've been remote the entire time, 15, mm. 20 years, right? My job is to But you sell. have to travel a lot, though. So yeah. it's not, you're remote, but you, it's one thing to go into the same place 10 miles from where you live and sit at a desk for eight hours. Yeah. You're flying L.A. Um, and I assume, is there, I don't know if there's a major airport in, in, in your part of the country. There's so not, assume, but there's a few that are you got a, I assume you got a link. So if you're going yeah. to Charlotte or somewhere... You're going to Atlanta, you're going to Chicago, you're going to L.A., you're going to conference, you're here in Nashville. Yeah. So I think it makes up if you're traveling as much as you do. I mean, it you does. You got to so, yeah. enjoy it, right? Yeah. But And, and you got to you know be willing to use trash cans at airports as your desk and, and right. whatever else is needed. But, I've been there. You know, but that's different. But from actually getting the work done, right? I've, I've had some of the best sleep also I've ever had is at Minneapolis Airport <laughs> on, on the ground. Uh, in that in that connector flight when I lived in Seattle, you get in, you take the red eye to get to a conference. You get to Minneapolis at three a.m. and and that sleep That's from brutal. three from three to six forty five a.m. before you get on the next flight to get to Nashville or Chicago or somewhere like that. Some of the best sleep I've ever had in my life. But definitely, you know, salespeople they're on the road. Everybody in the office isn't buying what you're selling, right? right? So you need to be out on the road. And and I've known that and, you know, been taught that for 30 years, that nobody in here is your prospect, so get mm. out there. And so that's kind of, for a sales role, I think they can all be remote. Okay. You come together for training and to share ideas virtually and in person, periodically, absolutely. Mm. Operations people, right? Sometimes they got to be able to discuss things. Do right. some of them? able to work remote? Sure. Right. You know, I just think that each plan, each client, each, you know, type of company is going to have to make individual decisions on what's best for them. But I do feel like 
that you can't socialize ideas. You can't just have a conversation when everything's got to be a phone call or a Zoom meeting, mm. that coming back together in the office at least part of that time is going to really be necessary to move things, to mm. move the needle on different initiatives. Mm. We've learned so much during this pandemic on member experience, on touching base, on social determinants of health. We need to be in the same room at least some of the time to share those ideas, mm. to decide how to move forward to make healthcare better and to make sure that nobody's left behind because they don't have internet access right. or they don't have a smartphone. We talked last night about social isolation, right? Yeah. Well, it's one thing to connect somebody to a, a Zoom community meeting with a bunch of veterans, but it's not okay if you don't identify that they don't have internet access mm. in their neighborhood or they don't have a tablet that they can use for that, right? That, that Zoom meeting with all their, their other veteran buddies isn't going to ever happen if you don't have that human-to-human -human conversation to understand what those barriers are. Can that person that's helping them be at home working? Yeah. Can they be in a call center working? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But everybody to understand that they have members with different needs, I think, has to be able to come together in person and start socializing what we're going to do. Now, that's a great point. What do you what do you think? You, you talked on social isolation and that's something. So we've discussed Medicare, Medicaid is, is my business. I'm not a commercial insurance right. person. And even Medicaid, Medicaid is a little different because it's different from state to state. So the rules when I was in Washington, I mastered the rules in Washington and I went to Highmark and mastered the rules in Delaware and Pennsylvania and, and West Virginia. Then I went to Arizona. The rules were completely different yeah. and really confusing. And I was not at a plan that was in that space at the time. So I never really learned the rules uh, to get into to, to play in, in Arizona. But Medicare, you know that you're dealing with elderly people. So yeah. you know that people that 65, 70, probably still going to be mostly healthy because you're, yeah. you know, you're, by the time you get into 75 to 80, you're, you're getting into, you're going to have some problems. And above 80, you're going to have serious problems. And you have some outliers, people that are living way into their mid-90s. But you're still going to have, they're going to be high-cost individuals. They're going to have uh, both physical and mental issues. What we've seen with COVID is COVID is bringing out mental health and isolation issues. It doesn't matter what your age is. Right. People 14, 15, 16 serious mental health issues, people that had to work and those, especially those that have jobs where, where they had to get out and work during, during this COVID, they couldn't be at home isolated. They had to, they had to deal with the concern about getting sick. You know, those that stock shelves, those that work at stamping plants and build cars, those that are in infrastructure. So many people have anguish or mental health issues or isolation. They, they have not been around. They haven't hugged anybody. They haven't yeah. touched anyone. If, if, if you're, they're limited to their home, what can we do from a healthcare perspective? Because it's, it's forced leaders, people that manage plans. There's so much depression and there's so much concern. What can we do to manage that moving forward? Because I think it's unprecedented. We've really never, at least not in my lifetime, had something that's that's come across that's done so much damage to to so many people. Everybody was affected, whether you had COVID or not. Yeah. Everybody, and if you're in the Northeast, people were really on lockdown for a longer time. I was in Arizona, so they had our governor Ducey was not really playing around with that. So we didn't really we had lockdown for maybe three weeks, and people were out playing basketball. I could see I was in my backyard, and people were playing basketball at the at the outdoor hoop. But that's not everyone. My friends that live in New Jersey, in New York, and uh, Philly. 
they said it was hell. Yeah. And it was just complete lockdown. What how do we how do we get beyond that? And what have what have we learned? What do we what do we do as healthcare leaders to to really focus on those isolations? Because you can't be well physically if you're not well mentally. And you got to give people resources to use, right? Regardless of where they are and, you know, give them phone numbers. They might not be able to do a Zoom call, but they can certainly call. And we saw a much greater um, inbound call level this past 18 months than we did all the years prior, right? And I think it was just because somebody had one of our advocates and they're assigned an advocate. You got a personal advocate that can help you. And so we saw, you know, a lot more inbound calls going, you know, I appreciate what you did for me last week. You got me duly enrolled. My Mm -hmm. Part B premium was paid. Mm -hmm. That was great. But you know, I could use some help getting some food and I'm afraid to go to the grocery store. And you know, I don't have a car. I'm afraid to get on the subway, whatever it is. Um, depending on where you were. And so just being a resource to people, um, I, I posted an article on LinkedIn just the other day about social isolation, and one of my friends, Michael Lunzer, commented, and he said it was crucial mm. for his elderly mother that they just had a Zoom call every week. They just FaceTimed, right. right? Seeing people, hearing people, knowing that somebody out there cares, and having a resource to go to, even if you don't have friends and family, but you got to have trust, right? you right. got to take that stigma away so that person will tell you mm. that I don't have a social network, and you don't put production or time limits on calls. If they want to call you and talk to you because it's raining and something bad's happened or they're just mm. feeling lonely, listen to them. Mm. And that's, I think, the beauty of our platform is we are allowed to listen. Our advocates are encouraged to listen. And we still want to keep in mind the plan's priorities, right? Is it to get people duly enrolled? Is it to help them with their research, to get them enrolled mm. in SNAP? Programs that are going to be meaningful, but know what? Listening to somebody is going to make a bigger difference in your CAP scores than anything else you can do. Yeah, and those CAP scores are are, are so valuable because CMS is just really when I when I first got in this business, if you manage your heat issue, you're going to be a four star. It's it's now CAPS is such a it's, it's a third basically of of the entire star ratings, and those touch points with members are are crucial. You got to have positive touch points, and, and it sounds like your organization is really proficient in that. What, what we're going to do is we're going to take one more break. I'm going to ask Kesley some more questions. I really appreciate you coming in. Had a lot of Thank fun you. after we got the wires fixed and, and all of the technical <laughs> difficulties going on. Uh, but I'm a one man show here. But we're we're going to talk a little bit more, and we'll be back after these messages. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. We begin searching for ways to not only feed, not only bridge the access to food, but how can we fight disease? Quite naturally, that required, it was a must that we figure out how to get fresh produce, crisp greens, leafy greens, and fruits and herbs and vegetables directly to the front door of those families that needed it the most. And so we finally come out with a solution and we call that Full Cart Fresh. We have teamed up with some of the the greatest people in America, our American farmers. And through working with a collaborative of farmers across multiple states, we have created Full Cart Fresh. So imagine this, you're at a farm, 
the produce is picked and prepared and it's boxed in a full cart fresh box at the farm and then through our shipping and logistics uh, program we ship directly from the farm directly to the front door of the most vulnerable families in America. We have got families and seniors and children around the country who are hungry and as well as hungry are really managing and coping with serious illnesses and diseases. So come along, help us. Help feeding children everywhere through our Full Cart program and the launch of our new Full Cart Fresh. Help those families in need. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. Never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you're definitely from uptown, New York. You're definitely Manhattan, from New York if you Harlem. shout it out, Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. <laughs> Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios. Back on the Lance J Show. What are your thoughts, Kesley, about the about the vaccine? Are you a you a you a pro vaxxer, you're an anti vaxxer? Can you even can you talk about that? Are you allowed or is it NDA? I can talk not? about okay. it, but I think it's up to every single person right. out there to make their own decision. I, I don't I'm not gonna take a stance on telling okay. anybody what they should or shouldn't do. Depends on your age, where you live, your mm. chronic, you know, comorbidities. Right. It's it's a personal decision. Um Do you think because there's there's so many I just these are my thoughts. I'm not trying to project my thoughts on yeah. you. I'm I'm fully vaccinated. And it wasn't the most pleasant experience. The first one actually made me sicker than the second one. Yeah. Usually it's the second one that's making people not feel good. I didn't really feel that bad the second one. The first one had me all messed up. I was, I was, that thing hit like a ton of bricks. I have a lot of friends that are anti-vaxxers. And so I've had people that have come on this show. Because remember, I do, I do a hip-hop and sports. So I've had athletes and, and musicians come on here. Young people. 30s, late 20s, have no intention of taking the vaccine. They thought that I was going to shame them for not wanting to take the yeah. vaccine. And I said, hey, I'm, it's your body. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what you should do with your body. I think that everyone should be educated and make the decision that's best for themselves. And as long as I get a little frustrated with the misinformation that if you take it, you're going to be a part of the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> like a walking dead. I get a little bit frustrated when people come in yeah. here and say that, that they, they saw some sparky on YouTube that has an account with 5,000 followers that said, if you take this, it's, it's a D it's a George Soros funded depopulation agenda or something like that. That, that kind of, is off putting to me, but, but I'm with you. I think I don't, we definitely shouldn't shame, especially as healthcare leaders, because uh, ultimately 
I was on the plant side. Yeah. People look up to their health plan. If their health plan and, and provider says that, hey, you really should get this. I think everyone is elderly should get it. I think that's a no brainer. Absolutely. That's a no brainer. But for people that are younger and not in that population, comorbidities, disabled, right. all of them. Right. Um, but for people that are out playing beach volleyball at the park, they're 28. If they don't want to get it, I don't, it's not the end of the world to me. I just don't like the, the misinformation, disinformation. I would that, agree with that. And that, I think overall this country has done a great job. Oh, both administrations, job. Both right? administrations. There yep. we go. We agree. Yeah. Both I administrations. Said, you gotta give, getting it into production. You, you got to give, yeah. give President Trump some credit. I'm not a big fan of Trump, but you can't. You got to give him credit. They did the best that they could getting yeah. that thing up. And Biden's come in and he hasn't dropped the ball. So right. I think everyone's worked together. Yeah. We politicize everything. It's all us versus them. It's one side yeah. did a good job. The other side did a bad job. And unlike 9-11, when everyone was the last disaster, uh, big disaster before COVID, at 9-11, everybody was together. There was no right. red state, no blue state. It was just us versus them. The people right. that wanted to harm us. We didn't care. Nobody, nobody was talking about, well... New York's a bunch of liberals, so who cares if, if that happened to them? That's, right. a, that's a liberal problem. It was just all about America. Everybody's flying yeah. the American flag, um, bounding together, uh, getting behind the troops. This issue is the exact opposite. People were politicizing it. I'm, I'm apolitical, so I don't, I don't, I'm really in the middle politically. Yeah. Um, I believe some, some uh, I'm very more fiscally, I, I have some more right-wing tendencies. I think socially, I'm a little bit more leftist because exactly. you know, it's hard to be in healthcare yeah. and see people who are really suffering right. and not have some leftist policies because yeah. you've just seen it with, with your own eyes. But you hit the nail on the head. Everybody, everybody, both administrations worked hard to get this thing done. And I think I think credit is due for both exactly. administrations. Yeah. It's not like the last administration was a complete cluster at the end. From this particular issue, I'm talking about just the the, yeah. the one got it. Stuff. One got it up and running. They got and up and running, and, and the other Biden one took the ball and kept going with it. Kept going and continue to keep going. So I'm I'm really glad to to hear you say that because people don't people don't say that. There's so many people that say, "Oh well, it's all Biden." It's it's or yeah. other people say, "Well, it's all Trump." Biden's doing a terrible job, and like they vaccinated. 60% of people yeah. in the country. I mean, it's... it's uh, and that's what we needed to happen, right? right? We needed people to get vaccinated. We needed right. people to survive COVID and have yeah. antibodies. Right. We needed people to get healthier. Right. Get outside. Get exercise. I mean, if anything, this put a spotlight on the healthier you were, the yeah. better chance of survival better you had. Better chance of survival or a better chance of not having complications. I had COVID last April. Yeah. And... Um, I knew that I had COVID then. It was really just getting bad. I did what men do. Well, I really couldn't go to the doctor. You I cried. Called, I called my doctor, <laughs> and he was just basically like, unless you're not breathing and your toes are turning purple or something like that, he was just like, don't go because we're only seeing people that are you know, getting ready to be on a ventilator. I wasn't that bad. I felt really crappy for about three days. Day four, I, I walked five miles. Yeah. It was back on my exercise regimen. I didn't have as much wind as I did. My lungs felt a little singed for a couple of weeks, but I never felt I'm a healthcare person. I went and got a pulse ox. My pulse ox was 98. So I, I wasn't going to go to the ER. But but to me, pushing through it and exercising, I think that if I had gotten in bed and laid down for two weeks, I don't I don't know if I would have had as good of an outcome. Mm -hmm. I just tried my best to to push through it and stay vertical, keep the blood flowing. But um, like you said, the healthier you are, the more mobile you are, 
the better off you're going to be in, in those outcomes, especially when there was a limited and there was a shortage of uh, people that could take care of you. I think now if people get it, there's not as much of a shortage of nurses right. and stuff like that now. But 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 yeah, I had it and uh, got the test and the antibodies were positive and I had it. I, I would say that I had a mild to moderate issue with it, but I had a, I had a night or two or, you know, kind of wheezing a little bit, yeah. just, a, just a little bit at night trying to get some sleep, not able to sleep, you know, kind of felt. I wouldn't say an elephant was sitting on my chest. I'd say a, a smaller animal. <laughs> but something was sitting on my chest and it wasn't it wasn't most pleasant, but it wasn't for me it wasn't the worst thing yeah. in the world. I believe you had it as I well. Did I did too. It lasted for about thirty six hours. Oh, okay. So I you, monitored you like that cough like a hawk for like the first twelve, mm. twenty four. Like, is it getting deeper? Like what's mm. it doing? At the end of the day I ended up with a really bad backache that they say is uh, that infection coming yeah. out of the back of your yeah. lungs. But yeah. you know I had that too. Yeah. You have too. this fantastic platform, right, to educate the people right outside your window. Because there are still PCP offices mm. that are shut down, right? Mm. There's still a lot of shortage of healthcare at a at a base level. Of course, you can go to urgent care, you can go to the emergency room, but people needed to know if they were relatively healthy, like you went and got a pulse ox, right? right. That okay, I don't feel good. I probably have COVID. I can get right. a test in the mail. I can confirm it or deny it. Like that, there was resources available and when to pull yeah. the pa panic. Yeah, button. If, I, if my pulse ox was eighty-two, then obviously I would have gone to the ER. Yeah. But it was ninety-eight. It was like, oh, I'm not going. I'm uh, not going to to. And and I have you know I have pre-existing condition. I have Lyme disease, and I had I had a very serious case of Lyme disease that that really set me back for for a few years. So I think that you've got to you've got to monitor, and that's why when I said. Everybody has to look at their own physical construct and, right. and where they are physically. I have a friend that has, I have a really good friend that has sickle cell and she doesn't want to take it because she has to have transfusions and stuff like that. And she reached out to me. She said, Hey James, I just want your opinion as someone that works in healthcare. And she kind of laid everything out. And I was like, Hey, I understand if you don't want to take it because you have to get transfusions. Anything into her blood is very serious right. for her. She might feel that the risk of getting the vaccine and injecting that into her blood when she already has sickle cell and other issues that require her to get lots of blood work and transfusions and hospitalizations, she might feel that the risk of getting COVID is a better risk than messing around with putting something in her bloodstream. And, and I, I respect that. I, yeah. I respect that. I think that um, everybody really has to, to take a look at what they're doing. As we close, we had a fantastic time. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I had I a ball. You really Thank you. Enjoyed yourself, and um, if I always, we always use a term. This is when I have the hip hop artist. We say, we say, what's your social? Not not your social security, but but where can we find you? Now, are you a social media person. I am because you're a vibrant sales person. So I figured that you probably have a big. Where can we find you on LinkedIn? Where can we find you if somebody wants to um, get up with you? Um, you know, Kesley, where can they find you? On the gram, on LinkedIn, where can we find Benelink? What are what are some of the areas where we can go find? And, and uh, if you're happen to be a person out there that's that's maybe interested, a health plan because a lot of health plans listen to this show. Um, some of them try to steal and copy what I'm doing with this show, but a lot of health plans, but they don't they don't have me, so I'm not. They should just about be that. hiring you. They should be hiring me. I've been yeah. saying for years that that at some point it won't be me. It'll be someone much better looking than me, but. Someone is going to figure out that if they hire a person and pay them a decent salary and just let them run wild on radio yeah. or television, 
that that's a, a member and revenue generator. Somebody's going to put two and two together. I think if I was still climbing way. the C-suite ladder yeah. and I got in, I would hire, I would hire a younger, thinner me when I got into the <laughs> big chair. Definitely a thinner me, but I would hire someone who's younger and thinner. And I just say, here's X a year, five days a week on the radio, have a show, take calls, talk to members build up the platform. And then we just run during AEP. We just run, run loop ads over and over and over and over and over again. But come to my plan. We're four star, we're five star, whatever we're doing. And that's going to happen. I don't know if it'll happen with me. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios.